I'm just gonna shove a cheese in my mouth real quick, okay? Will you just hit record and shove the cheese in your mouth? This is a professional podcast. But they know we have to eat. I have to eat. <laughs> when a cheese <laughs> is calling your name, a cheese it is calling your name. Am I right? Uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> What? Where are you going to be August 29th? I'm going to be at Sony Music Hall doing a live show with you, baby girl. Where are you going to be September 7th? I'm going to be in Boston, Massachusetts doing a live show with you, baby girl. Where are you going to be September 11th? I'm going to be in Orlando, Florida doing a live show with you, baby girl. And what about September 15th? I will be drunk. Oh, I mean, sorry. I will be doing a live show with you, baby girl. In Dallas, Texas. I'm going to Dallas. (laughs) That can only mean one thing. We're going on tour, and we cannot wait to see you. That's right. We are taking this buffoonery on the road to a city near you. To a city near you. In Florida and Texas, wish us luck. There are just (laughs) a handful of tickets left in every city. Some VIP tickets have sold out. I know they've sold out in Dallas, and I think they've sold out in Florida, too. But please grab your ticket. We are going to be doing a classic OWD favorite with fresh eyes with Joey Taranto. We are going to be covering... The biggest nut socket of them all, Royal Scoops Daniels. I'm so excited. It is going to be so fun. There's going to be music and laughs and open mouth kisses. We cannot wait to see all of your beautiful faces. So if you want to see us live, don't waste time. All you have to do is go to our website, disappearedpod.com, and click on See Us Live and grab your tickets, baby. Grab your tickets. Bring it down, bitch. Bring your partner that has no idea who we are. That's always fun. (laughs) And if you can't see us in one of these cities, don't forget we will absolutely see you at Obsessed Fest in Columbus. But don't sleep on those tickets because those are almost sold out, too. We can't wait to see you. Finally, I get to hug all of your necks. Joey Taranto does not open mouth kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Season 8, Episode 10, Last Summer, tells the story of the disappearance of Kayla Berg. A 15-year-old gymnast moves back to her hometown in Wisconsin. It made us all really happy that she was coming back. And after a week of summertime partying with friends... It was probably a little exciting to be where you're not supposed to be. She mysteriously vanishes. A dedicated team of investigators are on the case. She clearly indicated on the driver's side of one of the vehicles. But the facts aren't adding up. I didn't understand why she would go to that house. It didn't make sense to me then, and it doesn't make sense to me now. Then... A clue surfaces online that could solve the seven-year-old mystery. When I saw it, my heart just dropped. So here we are on August 2nd, 2009 in Antigo, Wisconsin. What was the first thing that you saw in this episode? I don't know. Wait, is this a trick question? No, I just, I've seen this sign before and I laugh every time. We see Wisconsin and we see a sign for new potatoes. I genuinely joke at new potatoes. Like, I know that Google is free, so I did look it up. It's baby potatoes. Yeah. It just sounds funny. There's so many jokes in new potatoes. Whatever. Fine. Go on. I mean, maybe when somebody saw them small potatoes for the first time, they were like, oh, that's new. We should call them new potatoes. (laughs) Hope Springer and her 15-year-old daughter, Kayla, have finally arrived at the familiar North Woods and sprawling potato farms of Antigo, Wisconsin. 
After a short-lived move to Texas, mother and daughter are overjoyed to be back where they belong. She was so happy, so happy. She just couldn't wait. I mean, there was this list of friends and family. I mean, everybody. She just couldn't wait to get back. We meet Mama Hope Springer and her 15-year-old daughter, Kayla Berg, and they've moved back to Antigo after a short stint in Texas. More on that later. But the two are very happy to be back home, especially Kayla. Now, a local reporter named Cammie Mountain, yes, Cammie Mountain, which I think she was named that because her hair reminds me of a mountain. It's unmovable and unshakable. Literally, y'all have to see this hair. It is... (laughs) It is like a helmet. But Cammie tells us that Antigo is your average, run-of-the-mill small town in the Midwest. She says, not much going on, and parents probably feel safe with their kids being out and about. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before, and I will say it again. I love the Midwest. Give me funny accents and bright-eyed kindness. Like, have you ever seen a Midwesterner mad? I don't think so. I mean, they're like, whoa, 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 for Pete's sake. (laughs) Hold your horses, buddy. All right? And they say whelp a lot. They say whelp. Oh, whelp. Whelp. Here I go. (laughs) I don't know. I love them. But don't come to Midtown because you guys walk very, very slow. Okay. Now, Kayla has an older brother that she's very close to. His name is 18-year-old Jimmy. The two of them, we get a little history on them that they always looked out for each other. They were very close. That's like me and my little sister. I took her everywhere. I knew she wanted to go out when she was like 16, 17, and I didn't want her going to the French Quarter to straight bars because the guys in the French Quarter are aggressive. So I took her to homosexual bars with me when she was like 16. Yeah, raise it right. (laughs) We meet best friend Megan, and she tells us a little bit more about Kayla. And then we jump two months before they head to Texas. So we're in June of 2009 when Hope actually made the decision to move to Texas, to move to Texas. To and Texas. We're going to, to Texas. Texas. <laughs> so Jimmy, the brother, stayed in Antigua because he had graduated high school. And Kayla was like kind of upset to move. But Mama Hope was like, we have to go. They were not only struggling for jobs, but kind of like not mentioned in the episode, Kayla was, her grades had started to slip and she was, you know, not running with a bad crowd, but there were several reasons that led to them moving to Texas. Yeah, Mama Hope was hoping for a fresh start for not just herself, but for Kayla. And work was slim. Yeah. And they had family in Texas, so they were like, let's give Texas a try. I wasn't going to make her go. It was entirely up to her. She wanted to stay by her dad. I didn't want to pull her away from everything. Kayla's parents split up when Kayla was just a toddler. Not long after the breakup, her dad got sick with cancer. His treatment left him needing dialysis, so he moved back home with Kayla's grandparents, who could help care for him. We had the every other weekend schedule, but if they wanted to go by dad, I was more than willing to let him go. The more time they could spend with him, I I felt was the best thing. Kayla's parents were divorced, and his name is actually James. It wasn't in the episode. And he had been suffering with cancer, and he had been on dialysis, so he had to live with his parents during this time. And they were super amicable human beings, which makes my heart so happy. You know, Mama Hope was like, I will not be upset if you stay with your dad, James. But, you know, Kayla went with her. Now, only a few weeks after Mama Hope and Kayla got down to Texas, several things happened. First, Mama Hope was not having any luck on the job front. She was yeah. she was trying really hard. Also, because Kayla's dad took a turn for the worse, he ended up in the hospital. And Mama Hope was like, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if, God forbid, he passed and we were down yeah. here in Texas. Also, Kayla was a gymnast. She did gymnastics all her life. And in high school, she was on the gymnastics team, which I didn't even know that that was a thing in high school because I certainly didn't have that. We barely had English. Uh- <laughs> 
Well, you did grow up in the bayou in in a swamp. (laughs) They're like, did you learn your ABCs? Good luck. I'm not joking. My English teacher in high school, we were studying Beowulf. And I remember being like, I don't understand what this means because it was in old English. And literally she looks at me. Her name was Miss Williams. And she goes, I don't know either. It's old English. Uh, Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Solid education I'm getting here. Yeah, no, she, but we see these old videos of Kayla. I love gymnastics. Do you love gymnastics? Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, that is like peak athleticism. Yes. And she was fantastic. My favorite, though, in gymnastics is during the Olympics when, like, men tweet from their lazy boys that gymnastics isn't a sport. (laughs) I was like, yeah! Irrelevant caveman. Anyway. (laughs) You can't even touch your toes. Shut up, Tom. So. (laughs) And then when Hope and Kayla learned that the high school in Texas had no gymnastics team, Hope questioned her decision to leave Wisconsin. Ah, the look on her face just broke my heart. Ever since Kayla was a little girl, tumbling was her thing. It was amazing to watch. It was absolutely wonderful. She loved it. And that made her happy. It made me happy. As a mother, Hope couldn't imagine Kayla's life without gymnastics. She knew it was time to admit defeat and move home to Antigo. So they head back to Wisconsin, and Mama, obviously they they had to switch up some things in order to make that move happen. It's very expensive to move and then move right back. So Mama Hope was like, I stayed with a friend until I could find a place to live. And so the plan was for Kayla to move in with her dad and grandparents. And it wasn't ideal, but Kayla was just so thrilled to be back and to finish out the summer with her friends. She was like, I'll make it work. Now, best friend Megan is here, and she's kind of like telling us what teen life is, you know, in the Midwest. Yeah. now, this is might be news to some. It is not to me because I am an expert. Oh. There is no cow tipping. So they did not cow tip. <laughs> I know everyone was very confused about that. Lord knows everyone wanted to tell me about cow. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. But they would do the typical thing. They would go to someone's house. Someone would have a fake ID or have an older brother. They would get some alcohol. They would drive. It was nothing out of the ordinary. This is what kids do. They go. They find a place to party. They find a place to make out, smoke cigarettes, do some weed, whatever. But they had a core, a nice, like, core group of friends that always hung out together. Did you say do some weed? I don't know. You said do some weed. Can you play that back? Do some weed. You said do some weed. <laughs> honey, uh, honey, no one does weed. They're not like, you know what I'm going to do this weekend? I'm going to do some weed. I'm on beer. <laughs> I'm on beer. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, and also it's important to note, first of all, that these girls were 15, but their friends were older. So it's August 9th, a week after being home from Texas, and she's staying at her friend Natasha's house. Uh, She says she's staying at her friend's Natasha's. She says she's staying at her friend Natasha's. Uh, uh, I guess it must be Sia singing chandelier under your bed over and over again. You can't get up. (laughs) On the night of August 9th, one week to the day after her return, she tells her mother that she's spending the night with her close friend Natasha. I thought she was at Tasha's. I didn't get any call during the night or anything. So, you know, I thought everything was copacetic, I guess you could say. We had been with some guy friends. I mean, it was nothing like boyfriend material. We were just all hanging out. But the next morning, Tasha's mother notices the girls haven't returned from the night before. So Kayla says that she's staying at her friend Natasha's house. Now, 
I did this all the time with my parents. Tell me if you did. I wouldn't have plans for the night. And then you would end up somewhere and then you would just call and be like, I'm staying at so-and-so's house. Do kids still do that? Oh, honey, my mama knew where I was every minute of every hour of every day. Trust me. There was no general sweeping statement. I'm going to a friend's house. Who's the friend? Who's going to be there? If I didn't check in, I was getting trouble. So your parents were far more trusting than mine. Yeah. And I didn't really give them cause to like not trust me. Yeah, you were a good girl. Yeah, you were a monster. So, <laughs> literally. Now, one of Kayla's best friends, Tasha, is explaining, you know, they didn't have boyfriends. They just like hung out. I was like, okay. <laughs> but after that night, Natasha's mom says that the girls didn't come home. Yeah. So, Tasha's mom calls Mama Hope and was like, hey, these little chickadees did not come home last night. And they're like, okay, well, maybe they just forgot to check in or something. Yeah, so now both moms are pretty sure, though, that once they figure out, they're like, oh, they didn't go to a friend's house. They're like, they went to a party in Wausau, which is a neighboring city. That's when Helmet Hair Helen, the TV reporter, comes back to tell us about Wausau. (laughs) And Wausau and Antigo are about 35 miles apart. And there's no main highway to get there or bus transport you have to drive. And so when the moms find out that they were partying in Wausau, honey, they were not too happy. Right. And Megan says that in 2007, this is when she was introduced to life in Wausau. Now, Wausau, they say, is like a big city. I looked up the population. Honey, it's 35,000 people. It it doesn't even make the top 10 most populated cities in Wisconsin. We got Milwaukee, Madison, Green Bay, Kenosha, Racine, Appalachian. Did you know Oshkosh was a city? It is. Wow. Anyway, I'm here to teach people. Well, then that. See, helmet hair, Holland, you a liar. You are a liar. But they were just, that was like the big city to them. Yeah. I mean, anything was bigger than their town of Antigo, right? Sure. Yeah. And so we do get a little backstory that Megan had introduced Natasha and Kayla to her friends that lived in Wausau. But at the time, they were like 13. This is two years before. And, you know, they'd been partying a lot and experimenting. And they don't go into too much detail. I mean, it's what teenagers did. I certainly did. I used to sneak out my window to my neighbor's house to get drunk at, like, 14. And also, these parties in Wausau were big. They were epic. And Christopher tells us there's a lot of underage drinking involved and people of all ages there. I'm like, thank you, Christopher. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, (laughs) more on that later. Yeah. So, the two moms are not here to fuck around with any of this. They go to the police station and they are like, our kids are missing. They're filling out the paperwork. And as she is ready to sign on the dotted line, they like hear from the girls. They're like, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. They're here. Everyone have coffee and bars. It's okay. They're back. (laughs) You know, that phone call went like, hey, mom, it's me. I'm I'm home. And she's like, oh, thank God you're okay. I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. So the two moms are like, Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. And I was like, all right. I mean, they took it from zero to missing person. They cool off a little. And then Mama Hope says, oh, those girls got chewed out. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, she was like, I wasn't having none of that. You're going to bed with a full belly, but please know you're going to bed with my disappointment. So I... <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out the girls were not in Wausau that night. They just, they spent the night at a nearby party and they had no way of getting in touch with their friends because they didn't have cell phones. Which this is really important. There was only one girl in the group that had a cell phone and that was Megan. Yeah. And I thought to myself, oh, I remember in my group, like there was only one girl with a cell phone. I was like, wait, that was in like 2000. Wait a minute. You know, in 1998, I was the only one of my friends that had oh, a cell phone. Oh, you were the one? Yeah. yeah. There was always like the one. And I was like, I'm not shaming them and being like, what's wrong with you? But like, we're in 2009? Who knows? Maybe their parents were like, I'm trying to think in that time if like 15 year olds had cell phones. I guess maybe the age. I don't know. At first I thought I thought of my friend Melissa and I was like, yeah, Melissa had the first cell phone. And I, I was like, no, that was like 10 years prior. That confused me. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, everyone in my high school had beepers. We're fucking old as fuck. So, yes, <laughs> my beeper was the size of a VCR. So anyway, yeah, baby, <laughs> you and I are mothballs. Anyway. <laughs> So that brings us to Tuesday, August 11th, and Kayla calls her mom to check in. She tells Hope she's headed to Tasha's house. She says, we might walk around a little bit. I said, okay, that's fine. Tasha and her hung out throughout the day uh, at uh, Natasha's house. They went to the park. We hung out there for a couple hours, and then we walked back to my house because I had to get ready for work. Kayla's 18-year-old brother, Jimmy, is also at Tasha's house, hanging out with Tasha's older brother, it was just a regular, typical day. Nothing out of the ordinary. Kayla was like, I'm going to Tasha's. I'm going to stay here all day, and we're going to, like, hang out through the night. It's still summer, remember? It's still summer. So everything seems fine, and around 5 p.m., Natasha says goodbye to Kayla and heads to her first day at the restaurant. And Kayla stays behind and hangs out at Natasha's, and she's just chilling out with a friend of her brother's who is 24-year-old Kevin. Why is a 24-year-old hanging out with a 15-year-old? I have so many questions, and I will continue to have questions throughout. The First of all, how old is Natasha's brother? Isn't he 18? Yep. So if Kevin is 24, why is he besties with an 18-year-old? Then, moreover, why is he talking to a 15-year-old? Also, where is Natasha's mom? And is Natasha's mom's like, all right, everybody, here, everyone present and accounted for, 15-year-old, 24-year-old. Like, I know I'm not good at mathing, but <laughs> why is a 24-year-old hanging out with a 15-year-old? That should not be a thing. Anyway. We are 13 minutes into the episode, and I felt my neck when I was watching, and my neck was hot. Well, so, Detective yeah. Sergeant, whatever he is, all the things, uh, aficionado Dan Dooley, he says, I understand, is that they had made plans for later in the evening. So Kayla goes home to her dad's around 8.45, and then she calls Kevin to pick her up. Now, I am not passing judgment on this family because I recognize they live in a very, very different area than I grew up in. I grew up in Oakland, California. But how is knowing that a grown-ass man is picking up your child not remotely concerning to you? And also, why is Kevin picking up a a child? Why is a grown-ass man picking up a child? Well, I remember that. She does say that, like, you know, he came to my house. He had dinner with us. Like, he was best friends with my son. He was at my house a lot. I trusted him. I had no reason not to. So maybe she's thinking, oh, he's like a big brother to her. But also, Papa James knew because the next morning, when Papa James realizes that Kayla's not at home, he calls Kevin. The next morning, 
Kayla's dad notices his daughter didn't come home. He calls Kevin, who says they just hung out, and then Kayla asked Kevin to drop her at a friend's house. He had done that with Kayla in the past, given her rides here or there, and some other kids too. It's understandable why she'd rather stay elsewhere. At her grandparents' house, Kayla has to sleep on a cot in the upstairs hallway. Not ideal for a free-spirited teenage girl. We learned that Kayla kind of liked sleeping other places because there just wasn't room at her grandmother's house for her. I know they were making it work. This is also where Christopher calls her a free spirit. I don't want to talk about it right now. We have way too much to get through. (laughs) But this wasn't uncommon for her to, like, crash at her friends' houses. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's safe for them to assume she's sleeping at someone's house. And so then they let another day pass And Kayla still hasn't come home. So Mama Hope is like, I thought she was at another friend's house. And now it's Thursday. And the last time Mama Hope heard from Kayla was two days before when Kayla said, I'm spending the day with Natasha. So Mama Hope calls James and he had called her. And he's like, yeah, I just called you. Kayla's not here. And Mama Hope was like, okay, I'm not going to panic like I did last week and declare her a missing person because I've already done that once. I need to, you know, cooler heads must prevail. And she had only been gone a couple hours that time. So she's like, I'm going to keep a level head. Yeah, of, of course. Why wouldn't she think she'll turn up? She It hadn't even been a week since she had done it last. So now Mama Hope was told that Kayla had been with this dude, Kevin. So the next morning, which is now Friday, Kayla still hasn't turned up. And Mama Hope calls Kevin and he doesn't answer. So she starts right. calling Kayla's friends when she finally gets some new information. And that's when we find out about Kayla's friend, Beth. And Beth had been working at the McDonald's that night, which Beth, call me, I'm starving. And <laughs> could you imagine having a friend work at McDonald's being like, Alan, you can't have, no, you can't have a large fry and a McFlurry every night I'm here. <laughs> so she's like, hey, I did see Kayla. Her and Kevin came to my McDonald's at like 930. Everything was fine. Oh, you know what? She did mention that Kevin had some pot and Kayla was like, okay, we'll call you later. And when you're off, you can come out with us and we'll just like drive around and smoke some pot. Beth never got a phone call. You know what he said was my welcome home gift for you is pot. Listen, sir, I don't know what happens in a man's life that they're like, you know what makes sense to me is driving a child around the neighborhood getting them stoned, and no one will think anything of it. If, God forbid, anything happens, this won't look weird. Kevin, you need some critical thinking classes. You need to go to DB University with a minor in poor decision-making because you have fucked up. In case you can't hear by our tone, Kevin is a disgusting shit wagon. More on that later. (laughs) On the fourth day since Kayla was last seen, Hope's panic is soaring. But then she talks to her son, Jimmy, who tells his mom that he heard Kayla has been staying with a friend that Hope hasn't yet contacted. There was a lot of miscommunication at this point. On day five, Hope finds out that Kayla's brother Jimmy was misinformed. Kayla was never at that friend's house. Yeah, they got some bad information. Kayla had never been at that friend's house. So I can't even imagine what Mama Hope is thinking. Finally, Mama Hope hears back from Kevin via text, and he says, look, I dropped Kayla off at her ex-boyfriend's house in Wausau. Now, her ex-boyfriend was a man by the name of Miguel, and Mama Hope knew that they were dating before they had left for Texas, but she didn't know they had really been back in communication. Now, Miguel was 19. 
A four-year age difference is very different when someone is 34 and 38 than 15 and 19, and that is in my book, but also in the eyes of the law. Just want to say that. I agree. I'm not saying we haven't done it. I used to date older guys. (laughs) Now I swing the other way. (laughs) But (laughs) now Miguel and his brothers, his older brothers, were the ones that threw those parties in Wausau that Kayla and Megan and Tasha liked to go to on the weekends. Exactly. So that means that there were really much older people at these parties that these 15-year-old kids were hanging out at. So now Mama Hope is after some answers and she wants them from Kevin. But Kevin doesn't seem to remember much. Not what Kayla was wearing, where he dropped her off. His memory is very foggy. So now Mama Hope calls Miguel and he's like, uh, I haven't seen her. I haven't spoken with her. She never came here. Yeah. So now it's six days since Kayla has been seen. Mama Hope can't get any new information. And now she's thinking... Something is wrong, really wrong now. Yeah, this time it's real. She's done everything she can. Now, Detective Dan Dooley says this as a throwaway. Initially, she was reported as a runaway on the 17th of August. They said that and they let it go. Did you hear that? Yeah. I was like, wait, why was she reported as a runaway, dude? Yeah. What would give you any indication that she had run away? More on that later. So because Kevin was the last one to see Kayla, they start questioning him. And all of a sudden, he magically remembers where he dropped Kayla off. But here's the big red flag. The address Kevin gives police is that of Miguel's house, but his house that he hasn't lived in for a month. Everybody knew, including Kayla, he didn't live in that house anymore. In fact, it had been condemned by the city because it was uninhabitable. Everybody knew, and so did Kayla. So why would she go to a vacant house? Yeah. In fact, she had secretly gone to Wausau the Friday before to see his new house. So why would she go to an old house? So beyond that, walk me through this, my dude. You left her at an empty house at 1030 at night. She had no phone. Also, Lord, get down here. I need you. (laughs) You're an adult. So you dropped her off. And I have Uber drivers that wait till I'm in the fucking door. Absolutely. When you drop someone off, you watch the door clothes behind them. Also, no one else knew she was going to Miguel's. Remember, she told Beth that they were going to drive around and smoke pot all night. Also, she's 35 miles away from home and probably high. They're both high as fuck. None of it adds up. Police are eager to talk to Miguel and find out what he knows about Kayla's possible whereabouts. His response was that the last time he saw her was about the Friday before she actually went missing at that gathering at his house. The Wausau police check inside Miguel's rental house and find no evidence that Kayla has been hiding out there. They also check his condemned house and find nothing to suggest anyone has been inside. The details in this case are not adding up. It all starts to sound a little suspicious. And they find nothing that suggests she'd been there. So none of this is looking great for Kevin. Yeah. Three days later, they elevate the case from runaway to endangered missing child. Oh, my God. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. Did you? Did you do that? You're good. You guys. You guys are good. Thank you. I mean, that's after Detective Dooley was like, you know, it just seems like it was just starting to look suspicious. 
starting to look suspicious. Yeah. Babe, we are past suspicious. We have arrived at criminal. This is criminal. So now Mama Hope is like, all right, I'm not waiting around. She speaks with the local news. It's like she just vanished. She did not run away. I mean, that's my true gut feeling. It's, it's not in her nature. Anytime her name was in the paper, out in the media, we had found that tips would come in. Police tracked down every lead to no avail. And then they receive a call that catches their attention. And a lot of tips come in. None of them panned out until they get one on August 26th, two weeks after Kayla's disappearance. Right. They had a report saying that she was at a Walmart. Now, they said she got out of a Ford Taurus and got into a truck. And we see this surveillance tape. Now, I recognize that there are things that people do and see that are far beyond my cognitive ability. But she's in a big puffer coat with a hood. How did that indicate that this was Kayla? I have no idea. I, we I, didn't see her face. This is one of the weirdest leads I have ever seen. Maybe they're not telling us something. Well, I think it was because someone spotted her. And that we see the security footage, but someone saw her that was actually at the Walmart. And they said that this person resembled her. But it doesn't matter because Mama Hope went down to the police station immediately, saw this person's walk, and she's like, that is 100% not my daughter. Yeah, she's like... Thank you for your service. That's not Kayla. Yeah. They also tell us how rumors and speculation start to swirl in this small town. And I was like, oh, good. Put pain on top of these people's pain. Good. You're nailing being a human, everyone. They're disgusting. And all yeah. I'm going to say is I hope somebody runs over your foot with a lawnmower. Okay? Yeah. Because it's disgusting. Now, also in the same telling of, you know, stories from friends, not that this matters. Everyone said Miguel was a nice guy. You know who else was a nice guy? guy literally every serial killer there's ever been so get the fuck out of here with that because i have a phd from dbu and i will be motherfucked if you're gonna play the nice guy card <laughs> like i'm not here for that while he might have been and i would like to stress that he was also an adult and she was also a child i want everyone to be on the same page with this that it actually doesn't matter if he was a nice guy so seven weeks pass, they take dogs and they search around Miguel's condemned abandoned house. Now, one of the dogs signals to a pond by the house. They bring in a dive team and they scour this pond. And unfortunately, they find nothing. Now, they're going to circle back to old Kev Kev's timeline. Yeah. And uh, we're going to find a little bit more information about uh, Kevco over here. Kevin has repeatedly told police he went home after dropping Kayla off just after 10.30 on August 11th, and his alibi checks out. The only person that says they saw him later that night is his mom when he would have arrived home. It takes a little over an hour to get from Miguel's house to Kevin's parents' house in Deerbrook, where he lives. And Kevin's mom has said she saw her son at home around midnight. As focus in the investigation turns to Kevin, he hires an attorney. And she verified he was home by midnight. Oh, the old mom alibi. How very Brian Laundry's mom of you. <laughs> yeah, the old mom alibi. No, I swear he was home. And also he's like, no, I, I don't want you guys to make, I, you know, I don't want to look suspicious here, but um, I'm going to hire a lawyer. Now, Mama Hope says something actually that I disagree with because Kevin lawyers up 
And she says, if you didn't do anything wrong, why would you need a lawyer? Now, forget for a moment that he's a grown-ass man hanging out with a child. And remember that it is your Sixth Amendment right to counsel. So even though he wasn't being prosecuted for, you know, a crime at this moment, but even if you're being questioned, you know, you are in uncharted territory because anything you say can and will be used against you, right? Right. So let's say in this world, many, many people are innocent in a lot of these situations. If you slip up or say the wrong thing, you are responsible for those statements. Right. So no one should actually assume that they can establish their innocence by themselves. So I don't think getting a lawyer makes you look guilty. I think that makes you look smart. Now, I understand Mama Hope's line of thinking because she's in trauma mode, but that's just not true. I mean, I don't know shit about shit, but we have to remember there are many instances where people get convicted for things that they don't do, and getting an attorney is not an admission of guilt. Now, do I still think he's a piece of shit? He is still a piece of shit, absolutely, but I just disagreed with her statement. No, 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 that makes sense. You know, I just don't like this man. Same, but if anyone listening to this, like, the minute you're in... You know, we've heard this in other cases before. Remember that club promoter in the Brittany Drexel case? He lawyered up and people thought that was suspicious. And I was like, no, that was pretty smart because he really didn't have anything to do with it. I mean, I would love to say that the truth will prevail. And sometimes it does, but sometimes it absolutely does not. So... That was me taking off my hysterical woman hat and putting on my real podcaster hat. How did I do? You did fantastic. You always do beautifully, my friend. Ah, uh, I mean, he's still a creepy nut socket, but he still gets his constitutional rights. No, so. no, you did great, honey. <laughs> you should. You could stand and run a brush through your hair right now, but you're doing great otherwise. <laughs> um, did I invite you to the barbecue? What barbecue? Oh, I just, you're, you're all up in my grill, so I thought you were going to Oh, God, <laughs> Jesus Lord. We're back in 1998. What a, what a time to hearken back to. Anyway. On October 26th, 2009, more than two months after Kayla went missing, the Antigo police make a move. Kevin was charged with a reckless endangerment. And that stemmed from the fact that he had picked up this 15-year-old girl, drove her around, and they had smoked marijuana together. Now she's gone. However, Kevin pleads not guilty. My man, please explain to me your, tell me how you're not guilty for that. I mean, I'm not, forget that she disappeared, but like you got a 15 year old girl high. So also, I just want to throw in here, best friend Natasha says he gave all of us rides all of the time, which means he was probably blazing or drinking with all of them too. But they all felt safe with him. Natasha says we trusted him. We felt Safe. So now they do a forensic search of Kevin's car. Now, first they test his car for anything suspicious. Three weeks later, they're waiting for the results of Kevin's car and they're like, you know what? Let's check Miguel's car too. And they check the carpets, they check everything. They say everything comes back negative, but they aren't willing to comment. Yeah. I was like, wait, but you did. You said it was negative. Wait, is it negative? Wait, what? Is it negative? Well, they said that there was one thing in each one of their cars that was like a little bit of a red flag, but they sent it off to forensics and they didn't want to go into further detail. And that doesn't make sense to me. I just wrote, wait, why? Like, what is happening? It seems to me like they're trying to cover their tracks because they dropped the ball somewhere. Yeah, I 
understand everything except for what you're saying. Essentially, both cars are cleared. And now we meet Officer Curran Corcoran. I love her. You mean down bitch Karen Corcoran? Honey, this woman don't give a fuck. I love her. If we don't invite her to Christmas this year, I'm not going. She's amazing. She trains cadaver dogs and their specialty is tracking down human remains. Because some cadaver dogs will pick up animals yes. or, or things like that. A nah, bitch. These dogs are like, nope. That's a bird. Nope. That's a caribou. Nope. That like these dogs are not messing around and neither is down bitch Karen. No, she is not. So they line up 10 cars, two of which are Kevin and Miguel's and she lets the dog do its thing. So here's the thing. The dog is trying to pick up a scent and guess which car the dog indicates. I honestly, I I couldn't guess even if I tried who Kevin. It goes right to Kevin's car. But the police say, well, we still don't have enough evidence. So not even name him us. How is that not enough? I am so confused. Do do they have a Yelp for this police station? I would like to write a Yelp review. Yeah. Well, I also want to know, and not to sound disrespectful or to sound insensitive, but what I want to know is, does the dog pick up the scent of this person or the scent of a deceased person? Do you know what I mean? It's human remains. Right. So it's a- They they, smell human remains. Got it. Okay. So next, the police are like, well, we still don't got enough. So they subpoena Kevin's cell phone records. Calls from Kevin's phone to and from Kayla's dad's house verify the two were talking before he picked her up. From there, there wasn't much activity on Kevin's phone. Then, right after Kevin's last call to Kayla at 9 p.m., his phone is either shut off or the battery dies, making it unable to trace. It isn't used again until after 2 p.m. the next day. As we looked closely at the records, it wasn't abnormal. That had happened in the past also. And he says that wasn't abnormal. Who? turns off their phone at 9 p.m., especially someone driving around with a shit ton of pot that's going to meet Beth from the McDonald's later whenever she's done and doesn't turn on his phone till 2 fucking p.m. A fucking gross-ass butt clown. That's who does. (laughs) Meanwhile, the cops are like, yeah, oh, well. Oh, dear. Well, well, good try. That was a good idea you had searching the phones. Tough day. Yeah, that was was rough. I thought it was going to be different, but oh, holy smokes. Oh, holy crap. (laughs) So then they check Miguel's cell phone records and they see that he hadn't spoken with Kayla all that day, just like he had said. Just like he said. And Miguel had an old phone that pinged 25 miles north of Wausau. And there were only two phone calls made at like 1 a.m. ish and then 2 a.m. ish. But it looks like they were for no length of time. They weren't even barely answered. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so they search the area where the phone pinged with cadaver dogs and they come up with nothing. And they talked to Miguel and Miguel's story was the same. He was like, I talked to her last week and his phone records kind of backed that up. So March 29, 2010, the Antigua police call the National Guard to do a flyover and they use, you know, that cool thing with the thermal images to see if the ground has been disrupted or to see if anything has been buried in the ground. And unfortunately, nothing is found. However, I do want to point out that I did some just some research on this area. We're talking like thousands of acres. Yeah. Like this is the woods. This is woods. It is a lot. And I do believe, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later. I do believe these police were trying 
the best they could. But they had a lot of ground to cover between Wausau, Antigua. It's just dirt and trees and new potatoes. Yeah, (laughs) not new potatoes. And also, a lot of time had passed after Kayla's disappearance before they finally indicated her as a missing person. So... It's a lot. So then they have Officer Corcoran, down bitch Karen, bring her cadaver dogs to search nearby wooded areas and fields in Antigo to see what they can find. Now, on two occasions while searching with dogs in very targeted areas, the cadaver dogs indicated the scent of human remains. Tell them where. Well, both times they were on property associated with Kevin. Yep. One hit was on the property where Kevin lives. Yep. And the other hit was on the potato farm where Kevin works. Now, walk me through this like I'm a five-year-old. Yep. Here we have this perfect baby angel German Shepherd, which hits and links to the same person. We see Kevin. We see a picture of Kevin. He looks like he showers with a baby wipe in an Exxon station off the fucking highway. (laughs) That's not the point. The point is, where is he? And then also the point is, what's the point of the fucking dogs that have now hit three times on and around Kevin? Yeah. What is the point if you're not going to bring him in as a suspect. Yeah. Also, and that's and Officer Corcoran says, all I can say is that my dog continues to connect the same person with that of the scent of human remains and something ain't adding up. And the face she makes is oh. priceless. She is oh, like- Oh, that face. I saw it too. I know exactly what you're talking uh, about. She was like, I could say so much more, but I can't because I got to pay my bills and I'll lose my job over this. But trust me, this asshole knows something. Yeah. So on August 8th, 2011, Kevin's charges of second-degree reckless endangerment are dismissed by a judge due to lack of evidence. Almost two years after Kevin was charged with second-degree reckless endangerment, a judge dismisses the charges due to lack of evidence, citing it was Kayla who directed Kevin to drive her to Wausau. Through it all, Kevin has insisted that all he did was drop off Kayla in Wausau and that he has nothing to do with her disappearance. And even though much of the investigation appears to focus on Kevin, police are still actively investigating all avenues. So again, like I'm a five-year-old, he got a child high, and then he dropped her at an abandoned house where nobody lives. Yeah, we can't hold him on anything. That is uh, case dismissed. There we go. I was shocked. Explain that to me. Somebody explain that to me. Who knows? I mean, the thing is, is like all the signs point to Kevin's involvement and the police continue to investigate. Detective Dooley believes Miguel is still a person of interest and wants to talk to him more. So then in 2016, seven years after Kayla's disappearance, a video surfaces that is very disturbing. It is very upsetting. Now, this video was posted in 2009. That is two months after Kayla went missing. Now, let me preface this by saying this in the best way I know how. I am two-faced. I am a two-faced person because I would give you an organ if you needed it or I will fucking cry on the news about how much I miss you when I know exactly what fucking river you're in, okay? (laughs) My rage response is on or I have two switches. That's it. So we hear about this video and I watched it. It is deeply disturbing. Yeah. And they pan to a girl who is 
found on the floor and screaming for help. And then he enters into into the room that she's in and closes the door and we hear her continue to cry. It's really gross. It's really gross. Mama Hope breaks my heart in a million pieces right here. She starts crying because she says it looked like Kayla. It really did look like Kayla. It really did. And it is picked up everywhere. National news. Who is this man? Yeah, it was everywhere. Three days later, they find out it's a hoax. And those people were actors. Now, a lot of things about this I did some research on. First of all, the piece of shit who did this was this guy named Michael Matten from Utica, New York. And at first, he denied that he was the guy in the video. And then he gaslit everyone and accused the papers and the reporters of slander. And then he confessed to the video and said, I'm sorry you guys were fooled. I'm sorry. I'm just such a good actor. And I was like, I am all for entertainment. This isn't funny, and this isn't entertainment. The reason the video went so viral is there was no indication to the viewer that it was fiction. It was deeply disturbing. They should have taken it down. It re-traumatized the family, and they denied it. I looked this guy up. He's a piece of shit. I want to send him a fucking flaming bag of poop. Anyway, (laughs) it had nothing to do with Kayla, and that shit's not funny. Hurting women is not fucking funny. Kidnapping women is not fucking funny, and I hope that fucking Michael Matten, you fucking hear this, you piece of shit, and I hope you choke on a dick. Okay. Wow. Hi. I hope you learn to form an opinion one day, Yellen. One day, I don't know. One day you'll be able to express yourself. So, sadly, there is no new news on Kayla. She's still missing to this day. The family is just heartbroken. I'm heartbroken for them. It's really, really sad. Obviously, you know, it goes without saying that somebody knows more than they're saying. So, I called Detective. Well, he's not a detective anymore. He's the chief. I called Chief Dan Dooley. We had a very, very long, long phone call. And because I I laid this out pretty honestly, but, you know, I always try and be really respectful of people because obviously, you know, this is their work and, you know, this is their time and their energy and I don't want to, you know, attack them. But I said, listen, this guy is a friend of the friend. Also, this wasn't in the episode. Kevin was a drug dealer. He He dealt drugs. He admitted to supplying her with weed, and he was absolutely the last one that saw her. And there is no one to verify her whereabouts after the, quote, drop-off. So none of this story makes sense. So I asked him, my first question was, why did you guys name her a runaway instead of a missing person? He was a little cagey with that question. Yeah. But the answer was that they kept getting different stories about where she was. Right. You know, the facts were changing. The circumstances were changing. And then once they realized that she wasn't, they started to look at it differently. And I said, do you think you should have named her a missing person? And he said, we did. We named her an endangered missing person. I said, but she called her a runaway at first. Right. And he was like, yeah, I kind of wish we did. So he felt like in that moment, that was the right thing to do, which I guess I understand. And of course, if he could go back. And I asked him where Kevin was. He said he's not in Antigua, but he does know where he is. And I said, now... As a watcher, let's say that I'm just, you know, a muggle watcher. I just flipped on a disappeared. I was about to say obsessed with disappeared. (laughs) It does look like 
Kevin did it, does it not? Yeah. And he said, all I can say is this case haunts me every day, which I do believe. And he said, not a day goes by that I don't think about her. Then I went back, you know, to Kevin. And I, I also asked him about Judge Kowalski. And he said, he, he again, he got super cagey. And he was like, what was your podcast name again? I was like, okay. <laughs> it's I, called True in- Crime Obsessed. Patrick's like, hello? I was like, but you see how a person would think it was Kevin, right? And he said, yes. Wow. And I looked at Mama Hope's Facebook page. When I tell you that woman, her grief is so present every day. Her Facebook is open. You can see it. And Jimmy had a baby daughter and named her Kayla. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, say something funny. Well, I guess Cammy Mountain never had nothing else to say about this because they sure did scoot her ass right out of this episode. They're like, you can talk about Antigo for two minutes and then you're done. <laughs> She's like, I got a goal. I, I got a bag of new potatoes roasting in my Subaru out there. Bow, 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 I really hope that this family gets justice and they get answers because they oh. deserve it. This poor sweet baby. Chief Dan Dooley, I got my eyes on you. Uh, <laughs> listen, join us in the Drama Club, our Patreon. We would love to see you. Please follow us on shows, show, shush, show, shush. Joey, tell them about our show, shush. Well, you can join our Facebook group, which is called the Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. That is where you are going to find all your true crime besties. We're talking about Obsessed Fest. We are talking about true crime. We're showing our crazy dog pictures whenever we have a bad day. It is a community of down bitches. I absolutely love going in there every day and checking in. You all make my day better. You light up my life. You troll me a bit. You troll me you a bit. You deserve it. I'm not going to lie. We both deserve it. Also, you can find us on Instagram at The Disappeared Pod. You can find Ellen at Ellen Marie Marsh. You can find Ellen me. Ellen Marsh, thank you. Do you even follow me? It's Ellen Marie Marsh on TikTok. Ellen Marsh on Instagram. It's Joey Taranto. Also, follow us on TikTok. We are making TikTok content for you. Every day I text Joey, make a video. Make a video. <laughs> and don't forget, our new Patreon series is I Almost Got Away With It. Almost being the operative word. Truly. And it is... So we, oh God, it is so good. It is truly a blessing. We got a list a mile along to get through our Patreon. That is where we do the content that you want us to cover. That is 100% DB recommended. And we love hearing from you. We love it. And we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us scream about true crime in your ears all day. We love you. We love you. I love you, Joey. I love you too, Yellow Marie Marsh. All right. Bye. Bye. So here's the thing. I know that this is frustrating. We are dealing with a 15-year-old girl missing, but based on her history, no, that's not. Why did I write this down? That doesn't make any that doesn't make any sense. Shut up, Joey. So it's August 9th. It's the week after. Hold on one second. Lola! Come get Sia! Lola! Lola! Lola, come so, get Sia! <laughs> you can put that in the other things too. <laughs> Also, a weird statement to make at the top of a show called Disappeared, right? Uh Uh-huh. What she said, nothing really happens here. I mean, I guess we'll see. Well, (laughs) (laughs) foreshadowing. So, there is nothing like a cheese it in the afternoon. 
I mean, I could think of a couple other things. Go, 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 Joss! You know what they say. <laughs> Honey, baby, swallow for the peep. I mean, just, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to make a sex joke. I know. Cheese it before we start. I have swallowed. Say something funny. Working on it. <laughs>